לעילוי נשמת, The Righteous Soul of Fager, Bat Shmuel ורבקה. What are we mourning for? This Saturday night starts the fast of Tisha B'Av. This is a day in which we mourn the destruction of the temple. But are we really mourning a historical event? When we use our Judaism as a living spiritual path, we don't mourn a heap of stones. But we ask ourselves, what are we missing? What aspect is missing from our lives right now that we feel the need to sit on the floor and conduct all the forms of mourning? In order to mourn something, we first have to experience its loss. Otherwise, we cannot mourn for it. So we need to ask ourselves, what does the temple mean for us today? The significance of the temple when it stood in Jerusalem was that it was a tangible manifestation of the light of God for the people. It was a place where one could actually see God's goodness and his providence, which became obvious in their lives. And then came the destruction of the temple, and the world went dark. But since God is good, and does good, and that is always true, hidden within that destruction must lie a great good. Now what good can that be? The good that is hidden in the destruction of the outer temple is, is the fact that instead of having an external temple, we have to find and build an inner temple within ourselves. Make for me a sanctuary that I will dwell within them. The commandment in Exodus is not a time-dependent commandment given for one generation only, but it is an eternal commandment for each and every one of us. Within each one of us, resides the soul. The soul is part of God himself. Every morning we say in our morning prayers, O oh my God, the soul that you gave me is pure. But which part of ourselves is it? How do I recognize the soul? The soul is that part within me that thirsts for God. As David said in the Psalms, Tzam'ah l'cha nafshi, My soul thirsts for you. God is the source of all goodness, and the soul who comes from God is thirsting for him, longing to be reunited, reunited with him. So what stops us? The answer is there is a spiritual law. And the spiritual law is that spiritual entities unite and become one When they desire the same things. This confluence manifests as affinity of form between them. God is all good and all giving. The light of God is the manifestation of his one desire, which is to give goodness to all created beings. But so long as the created being is not in affinity with this light, he can't receive it. Because he's out of touch, because there's separation. So in order for the light to reach the created being, 
there has to be affinity formed between them. Why isn't there? This, why is no, there no affinity between my soul and God? Why are they out of touch? The soul comes into this physical world clothed within the body. The term body in the Kabbalah does not refer only to the physical body, but it actually means all manifestations of our will to receive. This will to receive is the material of our createdness. In itself, it's not bad. It's part of our creation. It's how God created us. He wants it to be there. Because it's through this material that eventually he will be able to manifest to us. But in the meantime, our will to receive functions as the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, and the spiritual body. We have in all these aspects wills to receive. This will to receive comes from the light, but it is not a direct manifestation of the light, but is, is a consequence of God's desire to give goodness. This desire to give goodness creates a whole system of created beings to whom this goodness can be given if they are in affinity of form with the light. So since our soul has come down into this world, clothed in the body, clothed in the ego, we can't simply be one with God. We can't simply even be one with our soul. Unless we learn to distinguish which aspects of ourself stem from the ego, stem from our will to receive, and which aspects come from the soul. Because so long as we act consciously or unconsciously in accordance with the demands of the body and demands of our wills to receive, we will not be able to be in affinity of form with God. And that's what's separating our soul from God. When we're wrapped up in the demands of the ego, we find it difficult even to notice that we have a soul at all. And I think that this is the very first aspect of mourning that we mourn for on Tisha B'Av. And that is the fact we don't even know what we're mourning for. We are not cognizant of the temple of our soul inside of us. We're not cognizant of our inner Jerusalem. We pay it no attention. We are unaware it even exists and we don't give it the recognition it really needs. And for this, indeed I cry. Al ele ani bochia, eini eini yodad maim, ki wahak mimeni menachem, meshiv nafshi, hayu banai shomimim ki gavao yev. On these things I cry, my eyes, my eyes shed water. For my comforter has distanced himself from me, the one who restores my soul. Even my children are desolate, for the enemy has overcome. Lamentations chapter 1. Yes, imagine such a destruction that we are not even aware it has happened. We are not even aware it is happening now. And yet... Something knocks, 
something awakens within us. The soul within us will not be quiet, will not rest. The soul within us will not be silent. The soul within us stirs, awakens, knocks. For the sake of Zion, I will not be silent. For the sake of Jerusalem, I will not stay quiet. Isaiah. Periodically in our lives, something deep stirs within us. Something awakens us to try to grope for the voice of the soul calling within us. We listen for a bit and then life takes over again and we forget and go back to our slumber. And this is the second reason I mourn on Tisha B'Av. I mourn for the times when my holy soul awoke and called me and yet I forgot its call and turned back to the ruin of the ego. I mourn for those moments, far too many of them, in which I heard that call of the soul, faintly whispering, but I didn't heed it. My heart whispered a good thing. It said, my deeds are for the king. Oh yes, that's true. But in the noise of the ego, that little whisper got drowned out until I couldn't hear it or I forgot to listen. It's still there, but for all the times I didn't listen, I mourn. I mourn for the negative habits that unconsciously keep me imprisoned, separated from my creator. I'm unaware of these habits of thought and behavior. They feel like me, and I'm not aware of how they cause me to become separate. I wish I was like King David. Ki pasha'ai ani eda v'chatati negedi tamid. Lecha levadcha chatati v'hara be'inecha asiti. He said, For I know my transgression, and my sin is before me always. Only to you I have sinned, and I have done that which is evil in your eyes. Once, I used to run away from knowing. I denied my own frailty, as if denial on its own would make it go away. Now I see that acknowledging my own darker side helps me take note and lets me choose, or not, whether to be bound by it. I can't mourn for the past. It's past. But I can mourn for the present. I can mourn for all those negative habits of separation from God that I'm actually not yet aware of, where I'm still unconscious and I still act out. I mourn for the moments when I had the chance to start rebuilding the temple within me, but I didn't make the effort. The sages of the Talmud teach us, Kol Every generation that the temple was not built in his day, it is as if the temple was destroyed in his day. From the Talmud Yerushalmi. In the language of the Kabbalah, Rabbi Ashlag teaches us that the word generation actually refers to different states we go through from moment to moment. Lekol dovador for every generation means from moment to moment. So we can look at this saying as telling us 
in every situation. I have a choice either to think, act or speak in accordance with my ego or in accordance with my soul. It's one or the other. Either I act to build my inner temple or I act to destroy my inner temple. For all the times in which I let those positive moments go by, in which I did not act to build, I mourn. And for the moments when I increased the negative, preferring the ego, I mourn. Oh yes, for every generation in which the temple was not built, it was as if it was destroyed. And that is a reason to mourn. For each human being has an allotted time on this earth. And what will we do when our time is spent and we did not fulfill the purpose for which our soul came into the body? For there is a de- indeed a reason why the soul came down clothed in this extraordinary difficult covering of the body, of the ego, which separates us from God. And it's so that we learn to value all the small moments, the value God in those little moments, to listen, to learn to value those little whispers of consciousness, to learn to value that inner voice and to choose it. Gradually, gradually, as we build our inner temples within ourselves, and make the revelation of God's light clear and shining in thought, action and speech, in every moment where we are given that possibility, as we let go of habits which are consciously known to us and unconsciously aware of, as we become aware of them and ask to be aware of them, we will gradually transform this morning into joy. For the sages said, whoever mourns on Jerusalem merits and sees her joy. Oh yes, the mourning of Tishabav has a purpose. It's part of our path. It's a moment to sit and mourn. May our mourning this year be an essential part of our rebuilding. On the grounds of our mourning, May we rebuild our inner temples and may the all-merciful see from his heaven, look down on our impoverished state, help us mourn and help us rebuild. Amen. This audio recording is brought to you from the Horus School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Hudelev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Horus School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.